the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. God, we bless you. We thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for pulling us into this season of prayer with you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because we know you are the one that prays in us. You are the one that prays through us. You are the one that shows us the heart of the Father. You are the one that enables us to build a relationship with God. You are the very life source in prayer. You are the very gate, the very bridge that connects us to heaven. Every time we make a prayer, every time we release words from our mouth, you are the one that turns our words into pathways in the realm of the Spirit. You Holy Ghost, you are the one that makes it possible for us to stand before God. You are the one that makes it possible for us to engage with the King of Heaven. Holy Ghost, we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting a witness in our hearts that every time that we pray, He hears us because Jesus has come to seal Himself in us through you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for invading the world. We thank you for invading our lives. We thank you for invading our hearts. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for sitting with us. You have sat with us through the dark moments in our lives and you have sat with us. You brought us into the place of light. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we give you praise. Father, we bless you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for even the season of prayer. And we thank you for all the things that you have been doing in us, with us, and through us. We thank you for all the ways that you have met with us, oh God. We thank you for all the corners of our hearts, God, that you have engaged in the season of prayer. Lord, we are eternally grateful. Lord, we are eternally grateful that you have not allowed us, oh God, to sit in darkness. Every day that we wake up, Father, you have given to us daily our day bread. God, we are grateful. We give you praise, Jesus. You are the God. You are the faithful King. You are the everlasting Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, we give you praise. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. You hold times and Seasons in your, your hands. Come on. You call the light out of love. You don't need a mask, neither God. But you have chosen to call us for you are God from beginning. There's no place you are God of there's no place you are God yourself. Yes, Lord. From beginning 
to the end. Every single moment of the existence of the earth, every single moment of the existence of time, you are God. You have been God right in the middle of it. You have been God right through it. And God consistently. Father, we bless you. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, good morning, everyone. Let's mute our mics, please. Let's mute our mics. Thank you so much. Good morning. Um, I know that so much has shifted in the realm of the spirit and as we have by the grace of god as we have diligently sat before the lord and diligently sought for the lord and diligently um just you know chased after him i know that god has heard us and i know that god has imputed something in our spirits and even as we have decided to take the chase you know one week further i know that god um God has seen it and um, he's going to empower us to do that which we desire to do because the Bible says it is him that causes us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the fact that we even want to, it is the Lord. The ability to do it will also come from the Lord. So um, this is not a diet plan. This is not a season where we are trying to lose weight, even though you will lose weight when you fast. But the whole idea of it is that we want to shed physical, carnal weight, the things that burden us, the things that hold us back, the things that make it impossible for us to um, engage God the way we wanted to see clearly the realm of the spirit, to come into the full knowledge of God. These are the things we are trying to shed, you know, so that we can have just like um, the channels, our channels in the spirit open so that at every point in time, whatever God is trying to cause to come down to the earth or to come down towards us, we can hear it, we can see it, we can partner with him on the level of revelation. So this is why we fast. Um, so today there are, there are a couple of things we have to, we have to do, we have to share, um, you know, so I want to talk about fasting. I want to talk about Daniel and if there is time, we can conclude on the last, you know, last of the seven spirits of God. And I remember that yesterday I was sharing about the, the orders of you that I will see. But hey, like I said, with God these days, it's almost like whatever I don't do today, I can't assure you you have tomorrow. Um, so part of the things that we began, you know, to talk about when I was talking about fasting, and the reason why I'm, I'm sharing that is because we have shifted gears and today is kind of like spiritual housekeeping, you know, so that we can all come into the same place in the spirit with the same focus, with the same desire to move forward. Um, first of all, I want to celebrate the prayer ring team. Um, guys, can you just, you know, celebrate them for me in the chat, whatever you want to do. I think these guys are amazing. You know, um, God has, you know, just blessed us tremendously with the prayer rating. They have been consistent. They have been faithful. Um, just look at the way they ensure that every message is uploaded daily. You know, um, they are following up with us with communication. You know, when they call them, they give us a Daniel fast. They give us a guide on how to fast. You know, we have communion. All, all this, I mean, I, they've been so amazing. So prayer rating. I just want you guys to know I'm so proud of you. 
You guys are doing an amazing job at administrating the will of God, you know, and that's the power of administration. It's so powerful. You know, when you get administration right, you are able to pull souls into the kingdom. You are able to enable so much that God wants to do. So all I literally have to do is get myself ready and show up. Every back-end administration, they take care of it. I've not had a meeting one day with the prayer ring team since we started prayer ring. Not, not one meeting. In fact, I don't even know what some of them look like. I just know I have a team of people from across the world who are part of prayer ring. I don't know what they look like. I don't know who does the design, who takes the things that I say and turns it into quotes and puts it on social media and all of this. I, I celebrate you guys. Well done. God bless you. God sees the work you're doing and ensuring that people are praying you know he sees your faithfulness um he sees all that you're doing and i know that he'll bless you and i know that when we get to heaven you are going to be part of the prayer team in heaven so god bless you um and i i believe that uh, you know stephanie you you have room for more people so um i i'm sure there's room for more people and there's so much more we can do you know we can have the prayer rain newsletter you can in the time in between each prayer rain you can still give people a sense of direction and strength uh because i can assure you once we're not having prayer rain the conversation on that group would just die. We are not one of those people that, you know, we feel they need to keep talking. No, we're not going to do that. Nobody's going to be bugging your phone. But once prayer rain is about to start, like a day or two before that, you get communication from us on the WhatsApp group again. Um, but it would be good to be able to, you know, do that. I'm sure there are many other things that can be done. I mean, you guys have podcasts, your YouTube channel. Well done, well done, guys. Um, so there's room for more. If you want to keep, you want to join Pastor Stephanie's team or you want to strengthen them. I mean, look at the prayer rally that we've had. They've been praying for 24 hours. They put a man at the gate for every hour in the past 24 hours. You know, every time I logged on since we started, we had yesterday's meeting. Every hour I have logged on, there has been somebody praying. You know, there've been people on the group, somebody leading them every hour. You know, it takes a lot of administration to ensure that Prayer goes on for 24 hours and nobody is missing, you know, their part. There's no break in between. Um, so, guys, well done. I'm sure there's room for more people on the team. Um, so if you want to be part of that, you know, you can you can join Pastor Stephanie. In between seasons like this, they are having, you know, prayer sessions, intercession. Um, and I know that we're trying to raise different teams. We even want to raise like a special intercessory team. Um, for me so if you'd like to join that talk to pastor stephanie um want to raise a special intercessory team for people of influence um and all the projects and all the things that god is asking us to do so if you want to be part of that you know speak with pastor stephanie um they have trainings and all kinds of things that are going on the back end you know um god has blessed me with people who um run the different ministries under people of influence so flawlessly that you don't even know I'm a part of it. You know, they run it so flawlessly and effectively. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to join them. And guys, I appreciate you and I celebrate you, all of you from the different parts of the world. God bless you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Yeah, so coming back to fasting. Um, remember we had shared, you know, when we began all of this, the purpose of fasting, but I shared one point. And the first thing that I talked about was, you know, fasting humbles is to humble us, you know, and consistently in the Bible, every time God spoke about 
being humble, God will say, humble yourself, humble yourself. It was almost as though um, to come into humility is something you do. The Lord doesn't humble you. You humble yourself, you know. And um, in Matthew, like Matthew 18, verse 4, it says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Um, in Matthew 23, you know, verse 12, it says, for whosoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Um, in James 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, he says in First Peter um, 5, verse 6, um, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due season. So you consistently see the Bible telling you, humble yourself, humble yourself. So when you go into a period of fasting, it is an intentional effort to be humble. So yesterday I was choking, um, you know, with somebody. In fact, I was joking with Pastor Stephanie. And I said to her, I said, ah, Pastor, are you sure? that you will not consider this XYZ, you know, homo sapien, this individual saying that you are single. You know, on a normal day, if I had told her, oh, how about this person? She would just go for me. P.I., what is it now? You know that my heart's desire is ABC, you know. And then as I said, I something actually replied me and said, mm, let the will of God be done. You know, I am here for whatever God wants. I was like, wow, 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 wow. Fasting really causes you to humble yourself. I was like, is that you? Who is, where is she? I said, somebody, please help me find, you know, Stephanie. I was like, no, you are not arguing with me. You are not fighting with me, you know. And I was like, this fasting is really working. You know? I said, Stephanie, you should be fasting consistently so that you can receive the will of God without arguments. And even though I was joking and laughing at her, and saying, well, you are, you are so humble now. I, I kept on again. I was like, you know, because Stephanie, I, I mean, I, I love to tease. I'm always teasing. She didn't fight me. She didn't argue with me because the strength she has is to take the 6 a.m. prayer watch. She didn't have strength to be arguing with me in the middle of the night, you know. So I say this to say that there is something that fasting does for you. It just narrows your option, you are able to focus on only the thing that you need to focus on. When you are fasting and somebody comes to fight you, you don't fight. It's not because you never knew how to fight. It's because you don't have the strength to fight. And okay. something happens, you, you, it's almost like your spirit begins to realize that you have your soul has been engaging in so many things during the day that it had no business engaging in. But when you fast, you begin to um, filter the things that are unnecessary from the things that are expedient. You know, the conversations that are necessary, you can't because your spirit is extra sensitive. You know, you are just like extra sensitive to everything. You know, so you, 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 you there are certain conversations, you just like, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't say this. So it just narrows all your options in the spirit and the soul realm so that you become very, very conscious of holy things. That is what it does to you. So in Psalm 35, you know, verse 13, it says, I humbled my soul with fasting. This was the psalmist talking. So you see all these times when God is like, humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. But here is the psalmist telling us, you know, how he humbled himself. And he says he humbled himself with fasting. 
he humbled himself with fasting. And you guys remember the scripture I shared with you in Ezra, how when they were going to rebuild um, the walls, you know, with Nehemiah and how they had two options. You know, they could have gone back to the king to say, oh, king, please give us soldiers, give us this. We're about to pass a place we may be attacked and all of that. But because they had told the king that, you know, king, our God is able to save us. They had bragged about God. They had spoken about God, you know. So he said, when they realized that, oh, mother, there's danger ahead, they couldn't go back to God and tell the king that we're actually king. It's, our God is able to save us, but sometimes he do, you know, he can choose to not save, you know. So when you start to try to explain God, just know that you need to fast. When you try to start to give, do branding for God, just go into a fast. So Ezra said, you know what? We came into this place of having these options, um, but we decided that instead of going back to the king, we were going to fast and pray and see how God will save us. So Ezra 8, verse 21 to 23, he says, Therefore, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possession. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the good hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. So part of the reasons why you fast is you humble yourself but in the hum hum in the humility of your soul or in the posture of humility you are able to accurately engage God for the things that he has promised. So part of the distance between the promises of God and the manifestation in the lives of his people is usually a fast. Because when you fast, it's not God that is fasting. It's not God you are trying to convince. Your fasting is not moving God. Your fasting is moving you. God is not a narcissist. And he's like, the more you suffer, the more I favor you. God takes no pleasure in your suffering. God takes no pleasure in your pain. God takes no pleasure in your hunger. It does nothing for God. Rather, it's doing everything for you. It is enabling you to engage this God who has always been present, who has always been faithful, who has always been powerful, who has always had numerous promises for you, locked up in the heavens. The Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So when you fast, you are able to see the spiritual blessings. You are able to come into the spiritual blessings because why? You are shedding the weight of, of the flesh so that you can release your spirit. You can come into the ease of the spirit because the flesh is very weighty very very weighty very weighty the emotions of the flesh the thoughts of the flesh the desires of the flesh is 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 a weight so when you wear the flesh it's like a heavy garment on you so you see that people in scripture who were spiritual they consistently talked about how they were waiting anxiously for the day when they will pull this garment of the flesh and they will come into the ease and the freedom of the spirit when you are a spiritual man and you have begun to live you know and the life of spirituality and the engagement of God and you have begun to engage God on the level of thoughts because there are some people that engage God only on the level of what God has said 
That's all the, the only relationship they have with him. What he said to Nehemiah, what he said to Jeremiah, what he said to Ezekiel, what he said to Isi Geneva, what he said to, they engage God on the level of what he has said. But there are some people who engage God on the level of thoughts consistently so that there is a constant proceeding word of the Lord coming out of their life. It is like an effervescence. So you can feel it when you come close to them. There is a bubbling of conversation between them and God. As, there is, as you constantly exchange your mind for the mind of God, something happens to you. You begin to see every situation in life the way he sees it even up to death you begin to see death the way god sees it the bible says precious in the eyes of the lord is the death of his saints that's to tell you that when a person dies god is not mourning in heaven he's like hey god she has left us like seriously you know he's the god of life and he's the god of eternity he is the god of the time-bound world and he's the god of the eternal age so to live is christ to die is gain and the beauty of death is that you take off the weight and the garment of flesh and carnality and humanity and you are able to sow in the freedom of the spirit so this fast we're doing here we're not going to be fasting in heaven why because we would have come into the perfection who is christ himself we will see him we'll know him so they told jesus he said ah your disciples don't fast while others are fasting, they are going about plucking corn, eating agbalumo. What's the meaning of all this? And Jesus said to them, he said, how can they fast when the bridegroom is here? He says, for when I'm taking away, aha, uh -huh, they will enter fasting because the purpose of the fast is to apprehend me. So what are you apprehending when I'm right beside you? When I give myself to you in my fullness. So when we get to heaven, we are not going to be fasting again. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason why we fast is for the apprehension of Christ, for the fullness of Christ, that we may be able to cause heaven and earth to lock because there is a barrier, there is a gorge between the two of us. And that is what was broken in the day that Adam and Eve sinned. So it put a gully between those two realms. Before the scene in the garden, there was no difference. So if you saw Adam, you will see him in the fullness of the glory of heaven, in the fullness of the glory of God. So Adam lived consistently in the glory of God. And I say to people that Eden is a place of unhindered intersection between heaven and earth. So the heaven and earth constantly worked together like this before man sinned. But the moment that man sinned, the, the Bible says in the day that you sin, you shall surely die. So there is the physical death because man began to decay. You know, the life of man just began, you know, to decay with time. So we, you see, time can be a blessing. And there is also the time that um, can lead to the decay of physical things. So what happened was that automatically everything in creation began to work against man, even down to time. Time before was not meant to work against man. You were not supposed to wake up and say, hey, God, I've not finished that project. No, no, no. Time was supposed to favor us. You know, time was supposed to work with us. So when you see People like um, Dave and um, Joshua doing the things they did with the sun and the, the, the moon and the stars and the prophet, you know, with the dial of a house, turning it back and stuff like that. Those are the things that man was meant to operate in. But we're not meant to be limited by anything in creation. We're meant to be empowered by the things that God created. But the moment that man sinned, even time began to work against us. And we see this steady decay, you know, this steady depreciation of the life of man. It was a product of the fall. 
you know, also you see the um, the death, which is separation from God. So part of what happened was that there was now this separation. We now see heaven, and then we see earth. It now seems like a far place, you know, and that's why man did not die before. Because what makes us die now, which is to go and behold the fullness of God, which is to go and have eternal life, man had it before. So there was no need for death. There was no need for death. So death in itself is a, an act of mercy by God. Is an act of mercy. You know, that's why, so when God says, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He didn't say, you shall surely die. It wasn't like, he wasn't punishing them. He wasn't threatening them. He was saying that, in the day that you eat of it, I have already created a mercy package that will ensure that you are not sealed in that state. But guess what? You don't need to take this act of mercy. You can live perpetually in my fullness. Because the thing about mercy is that mercy would enable you eventually to you know, come into the safety and protection and keeping of God. But in the process of the actualization of mercy, you would have lost time. You would have lost people. You would have lost opportunities. You would have lost trust. There's so many things that you have to rebuild because mercy works through time and it's a process. So it's the same thing as someone who cheats on their spouse. Your spouse may forgive you, but you would have lost your trust. You need to use time to regain it. You need to use with time to, you have to accept the fact that, you know, you have to like be accountable for everything where before you could, you know, be missing for 10 hours and your spouse is like, oh, okay, you know, but now if you're missing for two minutes, uncle, where are you? Auntie, I just went to the bathroom. Yes, you need to tell me if you're going to the bathroom accept it. It's part of the consequences. So even though they have extended mercy to you, there is a process of reconciliation that must happen. And in that process, you know, you feel a sense of brokenness, you feel a sense of pain, and that is what happened to humanity. So death is an act of mercy, so that there is an opportunity for man to open the door of him broken humanity and enter into the realm of you know um the wholeness and the fullness of the eternal life once again and that was why god said let us move them out of the garden once again god was not punishing them if you don't read the scriptures from the eyes of love you would misinterpret the emotions of god so you need to constantly read the scriptures through the eyes of love so that you can see the personality of God at play and understand why God gives the laws that he gives. It's the same way in Exodus when he said to them, when he was about to give them the Ten Commandments, he said to them, I'm the Lord your God who has delivered you from Pharaoh. I have liberated you from captivity. I have pulled you out of the hand of bondage. He says, now here are the laws. So he was basically trying to, excuse me, <coughs> He was basically trying to explain to them that listen, I understand that by reason of 400 years in captivity, you have a natural disposition to see any law that is given to you as slavery, to think that somebody is trying to put you in bondage. I get it. I get it. I understand it. And it will take years of freedom for that mindset to be undone. He says, however, here are the laws. And the laws are not to put you back in slavery, but to ensure that your liberty is preserved. So if you do these things, everything I have brought you back out of, you don't have to go back to them. So you need to read scriptures through the eyes of love so that you don't misinterpret the actions of God. So God said to them, hey, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. You have to die because this is a, a protocol I have locked into it so that 
even when I'm asleep or I'm, I'm, I'm not awake, I'm, I'm awake, the day that man touches it, all of creation begins to rewire and reorganize itself to ensure that man dies. So in the garden, he said, to, he said let us, you know, pull them out of the garden. He says, lest they stretch their hand and they eat of the tree of life. Lest they stretch their hand and eat of the tree of life. And they will be stuck in that state forever. That was the reason. God did not want them to be stuck in the state of eternal, perpetual, like it brokenness. There is no option of living this life. So if they had eaten of the tree of life, they would never have died. I need you to understand what's going on here. If there, there's no option in the tree of life, it doesn't consider are you in a state of death or are you in a state of life or eternal life? If yes, choose this and then this will happen. No, the tree of life gives you consistent eternal life. So that's why when they were in the fullness of the glory of God and they were in perfect alignment with God, they were allowed to eat of the tree of life. God did not tell them to not eat of it. They ate it. But in the moment they ate of the tree that had the ability to kill them, God was like, no more eating of the tree of life so that they don't remain in that state forever. Let them leave the garden. So um, God was being merciful towards them. He was being merciful towards them. And in the same way, um, when you fast, you are bridging this gap that exists between heaven and earth. You are bridging this gap that exists between us and God. That is the purpose of the fast. It is for God to, in his mercy, you know, to bring us into a state where we are able to connect heaven with earth. Now, um, so Ezra took the, um, the alternative, you know, of fasting and saying, you know what, uh, let me go back to God, you know, and see what God will do for us. Um, we see this all over scripture. We see even in, um, um, in, in the book of um, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 2 to 4, you know, we, we see how, you know, when the people were in bondage, they went back, they sought the Lord and all of that great stuff. And so you're not coming to scriptures like in the New Testament. And you see Jesus in, in Luke 4, verse 1 to 2, when Jesus um the, the Holy Spirit had come upon him, you know, the Lord had identified him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and all that goodness. And the next thing, you know, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Excuse me. It says in Luke 4 verse 1 to 2, Jesus full of the spirit of God. That statement alone tells us everything you need to know about fasting. It says in verse 1 in Luke 4, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by that same spirit in the wilderness. Jesus did not go into the wilderness to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus did not go into a season of fasting so that the Holy Spirit will fill him up. He was already filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he went into fasting. He was already filled with the Holy Ghost. So we, most times we go into fasting, hoping that, oh, in the period of my fasting, that's when the Holy Spirit will fill me up. But from the life of Jesus, we see that the time when he fasted, he was going into a season of temptation. You know, remember what I taught you guys about uh, Midbar and the wilderness. And the wilderness is the place of speaking because the root word, the bar in itself, literally means to speak, literally means words. So Jesus was going into the place of the trial of words because the wilderness was where satan was speaking the one place we see satan speak 
speaking to Jesus directly that the Bible records because he was going into the place of Midbar, the place where voices are heard, the place where there is a distilling of voices, the place where you are able to differentiate between is this God, is this the enemy, you know, that, that, that's what the wilderness is like. But for you to be able to engage the wilderness fully, you need to engage it in the fullness of the spirit. So Jesus didn't go there to validate his ministry. He didn't go into the wilderness to prove to the world that, you know, I am Jesus. We don't take a fast because we're trying to prove anything to the world. We don't take a fast because, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, no, 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 no. You fast so that you might overcome Midbar, so that you might overcome the temptations in Midbar, so that you can prove your office, not to man, but to the heavenlies. You can have the singularity of thought. Many times it is in the midst of Midbar that we meet with the enemy that we meet with the enemies of our souls, that we meet with the, with, with the brokenness in our hearts, that we meet with the temptations that we have avoided for so long. We have refused to look at them. We have padded them with food and good time. You know, you know, I just want to have a good time. I just want to live my best life. Ooh, all those craziness. When you're fasting, you can't even scream. You know, you are just humble. So all the things that you have been hiding and padding, the fact that you have refused to look at your marriage and to tell yourself that, auntie, this is not the way to live. This is not marriage. This is my, the rage is yet coming. Or this is rage. The mind is not there. You know, it is in the time when you are fasting that you are able to look at things clearly and say, there should be more. I should do more. Why? Because you, in the time of fasting, the spirit leads you into a midbar, a time of speaking. So the Lord is speaking to you, but the enemy within you and the things that you haven't challenged for long, you are, you are seeing them. But the thing about the wilderness is that the Lord empowers you. You are already empowered by the Holy Ghost to be able to challenge these things. But because many of us do not follow the protocols of the spirit. So many times we fast so that we can fast. Let me help you understand. So the fasting you have done in the past two weeks is so that you cannot enter fasting. Somebody like Jesus, he lived the fasted life. So the Holy Ghost came upon him in the day of his baptism. Jesus went into the wilderness already filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of us entered the wilderness without, in fact, quarter of the Holy Ghost is what we enter with. But so our initial days of fasting is so that we can generate spiritual energy. And then the Lord says to you, you have not yet overcome the reason why I pulled you into a midbar. You have not yet overcome the trials. You have not yet overcome the desires of your flesh. You have not yet overcome anger. You have not yet overcome bitterness. You have not yet overcome fear. You have not yet overcome the repeated cycle in your family line. You have not yet overcome the shame that came by reason of what happened to you some years ago you cannot leave midbar yet you cannot leave the fast yet because the purpose of the fast is that when you come out of the wilderness you would have engaged satan and you had overcome him on the level of conversation you would have overcome him on the level of thought you would have overcome him on the level of the strength of the mind the strength of the spirit and the strength of the soul when you come out of the meat bar, people must look at you and say, my God, your disposition is different. The way you articulate is different. The way you see issues is different. Why? Because the meat bar is a place of deliverance. The meat bar is a place of purging. The meat bar is a place of separation. So everything that Satan had loaded on you, every load you were carrying, every guilt, every baggage he gave you in the realm of the spirit, every yoke that you have been laboring under, by the time you proceed out of meat bar, you will be like a man that has, you know, you shake 
take off yourself, you know, and you come out free and light and you have the ease of the spirit. You are a man with whose spiritual engine becomes well-oiled by God and everything is functioning effectively. The systems of your spirit are in perfect order and you are able to move excellently. Everywhere you go, demons are fleeing. Dead people are coming back to life. Things are resurrecting. You know, your relationships are resurrecting. Your businesses are resurrecting. Your finances are resurrecting. Your mind is resurrecting. You are able to come up with strategies and plans. If I wear you thoughts that man, ah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just in a, in, I'm stuck. You are unstuck in many ways. That is when content begins to flow out of you because you have overcome the Miba. So what God does with us in mercy once again is that you take a fast. You say, oh, I'm going to fast for seven days. It is by the seventh day you begin to feel the bubbling of the Holy Ghost. Yes, the bubbling of the Holy Spirit. But what solution has it brought to your life? What deliverance have you entered into? So many times we fast so that we can fast. We fast so that we can enter the true meaning of the fast. So that we can enter the true workings of God in the midst of the fast. So in his mercy, God will now pull you into it and God will now make it possible for you to begin to see that there is more, that there is more. So here we see fasting within the, the framework of the life of, of Jesus. And in um, Luke 4, verse 1 to 2, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. So Jesus had first returned from a baptism. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to be immersed. To be immersed means every part of you has entered into the reality of the substance within which you are being immersed. So Jesus was immersed in the Holy Ghost. I needed to understand that everything the Bible records, he records for a purpose. He records with a meaning. Do you understand? Every single thing that God records, he records it properly. He doesn't miss a jot or a tittle. If God permits it to be put in scripture, it is because he means it and it's a key that should open a door. See scripture. And I tell people, I say, the reason why we don't see the power of scriptures in the lives of people is because they don't honor the text anymore. You must honor the text. In the ancient um, days where the Hebrew scribes used to translate scriptures, every time they will write and they encounter the name Yahweh, they stop. They don't even say the name. We are the ones that say Yahweh, Yahweh. They don't say the name. As far as they're concerned, the name is reverent and it's holy and it should not even be altered. You know, you just know the name, but you don't say it. You know the capacity. You don't say it. Now, when they are transcribing and they encounter the name Yahweh, they stop, they drop everything. They go, they take a bath and then they change their robes and wear a new robe. They clean all the things that they were using, change the instruments they were using to write, take a new set and write the name Yahweh. After they write the name Yahweh, they drop those things. They go again and bath and change it to a new set of robes, take new instruments and continue the writing. So for them, it's a case of, you see this name, once we encounter it, we must give it the reverence that it deserves. You know, when they were writing scriptures, they will fast, you stay away from, they stayed away from their wives. That was how they reverence. So when you see them carrying the word of the Lord, every letter 
is honored. They honor the text. You must honor the text. The reason why we have a lot of believers that we have is that we have a lot of Pentecostals, Pentecostals that are rascals. So they don't even understand order. They don't understand protocols. They don't understand boundaries. So you have a lot of Christians that they have become, they, in fact, they have more problems now that they are believers than before they were believers. Why? Because when they were in the world, they were in rebellion to God and Satan was their master. So Satan didn't give them issues because, hello, you are bound to end up in debt with me. So it's okay. This one we have won. Let's look for the ones we can win. But the moment they crossed over into the kingdom of God, they became enemies to the ones who was once their master. And now they have a voice. Now they have possibilities and now they have ability now they have come in here and they are rascals they don't know scriptures they don't adhere to the word they don't follow the protocols of the kingdom they don't understand the principles they don't know what the ancient landmarks are they are devoid of knowledge so they become prey to the enemy because he's no longer their friend he's their enemy so he's attacking them he's devouring them even though their sons they live like servants even though their sons they're working on fruits while the servants are riding on horseback because Satan is coming for their blessing and coming for the access they have in the kingdom of God. They don't honor the text. So part of the things I teach people who I mentor and I teach people who give me their ears, I'm like, look at the word. Study everything. If it says spirit, it means spirit. If it says land, it means land. Look for the meaning of the words in scriptures. Why does it use Israel at a point? And why does it use Jordan at a point? If God says, you know, you will go for so, so, so time, I will share it with you guys about, I don't think I will share it with you, but maybe I, I hoped to share it as I, as I planned to share about Daniel, but I don't know if we have that time today. Um, but I will touch on it before we go so that we can understand the Daniel fast. You know, and, and, and within the Daniel fast, the 70 years they went into captivity i was explaining that from exodus 28 or 26 the lord was saying to them that i am happy i'm glad that you are going into captivity he says because when you go into captivity the land will have a period of rest for 70 years god was saying to them that is good people we could not go we could not go 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 and be slaves at least the land will rest now i was if you read that scripture you're like what on earth like, why would you prefer ground to me and my life, you know, captivity and slavery? But the truth is God had given them laws. And God has said to them, once again, read scriptures through the eyes of love. God had said to them before that, hey, every seven years, you must make sure that the land rests. You must make sure that the land follows, you know. Um, and the process, and scientists have now found out that that process of follow and rest, it was enables the land to regenerate, to regain its nutrients, to regain its ability to perform as the land that it's supposed to be, to be able to bring forth fruit and, you know, all of that optimally, you know, and even the, apart from, so it's every, you know, seven days, every seven weeks, every seven years, God has this whole thing about seven, where he brings you into a cycle of rest but these children of israel they had come into this land they had been enjoying the promised land and the fullness of god and they weren't observing the sabbath anymore they weren't even observing the sabbath of the land which is every seven years let the land rest so for 490 years they had gone through 490 years without observing the sabbath of the land so god then allows them to be taken into captivity by um, Nebuchadnezzar. He takes them into captivity. 
And in the period where they're taken into captivity, Jeremiah begins to prophesy. And he's saying, because when he takes them into captivity, he leaves um, the king that was there and he leaves him as a vassal king. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm taking stuff from your temple. I'm taking some of your people and all of that, you know, but, you know, just be there so that you keep representing the kingdom of Babylon on our behalf. But, you know, captivity is happening, you know, but and Nehemiah keeps prophesying, Jeremiah keeps prophesying and say, hey, let's not rebel against this king. Let's not rebel against what is, this is the will of God for us to be taken into captivity. Why? Because the Lord says in the 70 years that you are away, the land will rest. What does God do? He divides 490 by seven. And when you do that, you arrive at 70. So God took back from them every single year of rest that they should have observed, that they did not observe, he took it all back. So he took the 70 years that they should have rested, that the land should have rested in the 490 years. He took the entire 70 years back. Why? Because God means his word. So when God even gives you a command and says to you, hello, auntie, I want you to rest every X, Y, Z, or I needed to observe ABC. There's the word of the Lord never returns to him void. It must perform that for which it was sent. Whether you agree with the word or not, whether you believe the word or not, the word is a servant to the will of God and is a servant that operates like a hitman that you can never call him back and say, you know what, oh, I've decided not to kill the person again. You lie. You said him, he must kill the person. That's how the word of the Lord operates. It's such... Um, exact and precise ways so when the word of god goes out it must perform it must work everything in nature will favor the performance of the word so god took back from them the 70 years and they have refused to let the land rest that is why they went into captivity you know so i say to people honor the text if you honor the text the text will bring you honor if you honor the text, the text will bring you honor. Why? Because the text is the life of God in itself. You cannot separate a man with, from his word. He says, I am my word, we are one. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have beheld him as though we were beholding the full glory of God. So when you honor the word of the Lord, it is that you are honoring God, you are honoring Jesus, and the glory of the word overshadows you. Have you never wondered why people, ministers who teach the true word of God are attractive? Very attractive. Sometimes I look at some ministers that people are trying to seduce and I'm like, ah, what's it? What's this? Why are you trying? This individual on a normal day, if he was doing banking job, people will not be running after him. There is something attractive about the word. There is something, when you clothe yourself with the word of God, it's like you are being clothed with the glory of God, literally. So Moses goes on this mountain and he's talking to God for 40 days, having conversations with him. They are doing writing exercises together, all of that great stuff. And he comes down and he did not even know his face was shining. He did not even know. People are looking at him and saying, Moses, my goodness, there's something about you. We can't, we can't look, we, we just can't pen penetrate. There's just something about you. Why? The word, heavily divine conversations. Every word that God says, you honor it. So the Bible says, Jesus, full of the spirit, returned from the Jordan after he was baptized. So Jesus had been immersed, immersed in God. Um, um, John the Baptist said to him, oh, you know, I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. He's like, John, are you for real? 
you will baptize me. This is not about, you know, who is higher than who, ministerial um, hierarchies and stuff like that. Jesus is like, no, this is about the will of God. Let us allow this to be so for now. Because locked into the plan of time, he who is the baptism must be baptized so that he may come into the order that enables him to walk in power. Jesus understood it. So he who must be a teacher must have been taught. He who must be a father must have been fathered. Jesus understood the laws of nature, creation, and the heavens. So Jesus was like, no, 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 John, this is not about, don't even begin to think that, John, oh, you are not greater than Jesus. He's like, no, 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 no. This is me following the protocols and the process of heaven and earth. Let us allow it to be so. I must be baptized so that I will be qualified to be the one that baptizes the people. Now, uh, but he was first immersed. So before you go into the wilderness of confrontation, maybe someday I will teach you the different kinds of meat bars that we have. You know, but before you go into the wilderness of confrontation, you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to be baptized. You know, you're, you're completely immersed in God. And that's what happens to us in the first couple of days, our first seasons of the fast. You know, God brings you into an immersion and then God brings you into a confrontation. And that's why people will say, oh, I don't know, I've been fasting 30 days. Now look at this situation, it's okay. You are in the confrontation phase because what happens is the moment you overcome, you come out, you know, with the Holy Ghost and with power. In verse 2, it says, and where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. So he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing and he was hungry. So physically, if you had seen Jesus, he was not looking attractive at all. You know, you'll be saying, ah, where is the Messiah exactly? You know, he didn't look like it because he was hungry. He was tired. He was famished. His body was weak. This wasn't a fast that the glory of God performed for him. No, he fasted. He ate nothing in those days. And he came out really, really hungry. So just because your physical man is seemingly going through a fasting and your body may be rebelling because hunger is a response, you know, to what the body is lacking. It's like, hey, I need food. I need to nourish this system into performance. You know, just because you're going through that doesn't mean you are not achieving or acquiring something in the spirit. And that's what makes people break their fast because they're like, I'm hungry. Ah, I can't do this anymore. No, keep your focus on what you are achieving in the spirit. This final showdown that Jesus has that liberates him, you know, and he now knows that, okay, I can go out and go and eat ever. This final showdown that Jesus had, you know, um, did not happen until after the 40 days. So Jesus had gone through consistent hunger. Jesus had gone through, you know, that whole thing of feeling like, what is anything coming out of this? So you will go through that season of the fast. Maybe as we're doing this Daniel fast by day four, you begin to ask yourself, this pastor, Isi, let me actually even ask myself, how did I meet her? What qualifies her to tell me that I should fast? No, let's think about it really. You know, you now begin to, you now become spiritual politician. You begin to analyze the thing like sports. Because if we think about it, somebody like her that has more fat to burn, why would she say we should fast? Look at me the way, you, uh, it's okay, it's fine, it's all right, it's mid-bar. Those are the conversations that happen in mid-bar. Yeah, I'm not even angry with you. All you need to know is that the final showdown is coming. And many times it does not come until the end of the season where your body has finished rebelling 
until the end of the season where you have finished asking yourself all kinds of questions. You know, you have finished fighting yourself and fighting God and fighting Jesus in between. After all of that, you now begin to see um, the, the, the real showdown. You now begin to see who the real enemy is. You now begin to realize that the enemy is not PI actually. You know, it's my flesh. It's my body. It's the sufferings of the flesh. So Jesus finished this fast before the enemy showed up. Don't give up. If you see the thing still being seemingly mysterious to you, and you are now 20 days into the fast, don't give up. Stay because he will show up. I tell people, my father will say, in Nigerian pidgin English, my father will say, if you scatter those beans, snake must to come out. Basically, if you, if you toss the trash around, you're going to see reptiles, raccoons, and all kinds of things jumping out of it. You know, if you scatter those bees, snake must come out. If you light a bush, you must expect all the things that have been dwelling in the bush to jump out of it. It is expected. So what you're doing is you're lighting your life on fire. You are setting your spirit on fire. You are setting your soul on fire with a fast. So you must expect that things will be jumping out of you that are unexpected. In the midst of this fast, if you hear yourself just release a kind of insult, you know, and you're asking yourself, ah, where did that come out from? Don't give up the fast. Don't say to yourself, oh, you know, it's not working because I just cursed out somebody. No, it's okay. The snake is jumping out. It's out. Deal with it. Apologize. You know, go back, repent, and ask the Lord, are there more? If there is more where that came from, my God, pull it out. If there is more where that came from, Baba, let it come out. Help me to have, sometimes when I pray, I, I can't find the words. I use like physical things. I'm like, let me throw up in the realm of the spirit. Cause me to throw up. Let my system begin to rebel against any of these things that are inside of me. Let it come out of me in the name of Jesus. I refuse. I call for a holy purge in my soul. I call for a holy purge in my spirit. I call for a holy purge in my mind. I command my sister to rebel against everything that rebels with God. Everything that has sat inside of me that is not of the Lord, that does not carry the nature of the Holy Ghost. I say to my sister, rebel in the name of Jesus. When you pray prayers like that, you begin to see your, your physical body agitating. During the day, you are, you are like, something is wrong because things are jumping out of you. The Lord is delivering you. It's what I call self-deliverance. So many times, I don't need to go to a deliverance ministry. When, once I begin to sense that, mm, 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 you see, you're operating in things that are not, a, by myself, I deliver myself. I become like my own surgeon. I grab the knife. I grab the whatever. I don't even give myself anesthesia. I start to rip open my heart and I'm pulling out everything. I'm like, okay, yeah, what organ is this? What? The Lord didn't give me this organ. I take it out and I stitch it back by the power of the Holy Ghost, you know? So, and I'm bleeding. Sometimes I'm bleeding in the realm of the spirit because I don't do a perfect stitch, but in the physical, I'm better behaved. I better accommodate people. I am better at loving. I'm better at caring, but in the spirit, I'm going through a process of surgery but it's okay so you are lighting the fire things will come out of you but there will be a final showdown that will cause you to come into the fullness of liberation it will break if in the season of fasting you are praying for your marriage listen to me there's a tendency it will get worse during the fast there is a tendency that except you and your partner are on the same page and are fasting the fast together 
and are wrestling the wrestle together. So most likely there is an understanding. When you will see the things jumping out, it's like, you see it, I say, okay, I'll go and grab your knife, let's kill it together. You understand? But if it's one party doing the fast, there is a tendency that you are going to have even like more issues and more people, it's fine. It's fine. When you get to the final showdown, it's going to be the breaking point that causes liberation to come. And the light just breaks through and streams into that place. And you have to remember what is, um, Isaiah 58 said about the fast. When he said, is this not the fast that is acceptable? That you lose the, uh, you lose the, the bonds of captivity, the chains of wickedness, that you do not keep your body or you, keep, you don't withhold yourself from your brothers, from your family. You are kind, you feed the poor, you heal the sick, you, you know, the brokenhearted, and you do all this good stuff. It's not literally feeding the poor. You, I mean, literally feeding the poor is fantastic and amazing. But there are people who are poor in spirit. There are people who need nourishment in the realm of the spirit. There are people who need to be filled up. You know, so um, some days ago, I and Pastor Stephanie were joking around about prayer rain. And she was saying, you know, Pia, I, I love the fact that you don't just come and tell us, yeah, the 10 things we're going to pray about now, let us begin to pray. In tapa, 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 tapa. You know, she's like, you know, I love the fact that, you know, you do a lot of teaching. She's like, you know, we end, we live filled up. She's like, it's like you, you give us food, but you also give us takeaway pack. And you're like, you know, just take this one, warm meat tomorrow afternoon and eat it, you know, before we come back. You know, so she's like, I love that. And I, I'm saying that to you because you have to, you have to feed people in the time of your fast. In the time of your fast, pray for people. In the time of your fast, you see somebody going through a struggle, take them up. You know, in the time of your fast, someone is in need. Don't act like you don't know that they are in need. Don't act like you don't know that this place is asking you for something. Give them, attend to them. You know, because all of these things are the things that are acceptable before God. Basically, transformation is the purpose of the fast. Renewal is the purpose of the fast. You must be transformed. You must be renewed. But you must always expect the showdown. And sometimes the final showdown is not thunder, lightning, fire, brimstone. No. It may just be a sit-down conversation where somebody that you've been like, you know, finally just says to you, you know what? I get it. I actually get what you're saying now. You know, and I'm so sorry that, you know, I've argued about it for so long. So what do you say? Why don't we change strategy and go back? Please don't be the one that invests the thing that God has done. By the time you see your enemies, you know, calling a truce, that's not the time to say, you know what? I don't even know. I don't even know if I, if I want to settle this now because the years of pain and suffering, auntie, shoo. Uncle, receive the peace. Receive the peace. Do not invert, do not, you know, break what God is doing. So even when God is giving you a miracle, you need wisdom to be able to receive it. You need wisdom and humility to receive the deliverance of God. The Bible says there is a time for everything under heaven. There is a time for war. There is a time for peace. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to break the embrace. So when the season of embracing comes, you must recognize it. Because the season of embracing may come at the back of a season of fighting. And once the season changes, a spiritual man must also change. So somebody will look at you and say, ah, ah, Pierre, I thought that you and uh, Sister Fuluke do is to agree. Ah, what's happening? I just saw that yesterday people have become bestows. <laughs> the season of embracing has come. A spiritual man is like the wind. 
No one knows where he's going to or where he's coming from. He's not tamed by the culture and traditions of the world, but he responds solely to the spirit. So part of what you are doing in the time of the fast is that you are changing seasons. You are taking the hand of the clock and you are turning it and bringing it back into order. So I was telling somebody two days ago, I said, something is happening. Two days ago, I sat down and throughout the day, I kept missing the time. I kept missing the time. So I would look at my phone. My phone would say to me, oh, maybe the time is 5.15. I look at the wall and maybe two hours later and the wall is saying to me it's five o'clock and I forget that I saw 5.15 an hour before. So when I say five o'clock, I'm like, oh, okay, I still have time. Ah, Let me keep doing what I'm doing. And then I look at my watch and then my watch says it's 3 p.m. I'm like, what's going on here? That's when I realized, okay, the times are not aligning. You know, and this kept happening throughout the day. And as a prophetic person, I know that God uses things and objects to speak. So I stop at some point and I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? And the Lord began to speak to me about how there is a mismatch of time and how in the realm of the spirit, the seasons and the timings of people are not aligning. And also because we're in this season of this fast and this season of praying and meeting daily. And in these two weeks, I have been serving like a pastor, leading you and accompanying you on the journey of the fast. So it is natural for God to speak to me about myself, but also speak to me about the people. And it's natural for God to use even things in my life to also be speaking about things in the lives of people. So the moment I got that word, I realized that God was speaking about a lot of people. And the Lord is like, there is a mismatch of time. And so on one hand, you are going through a season of deliverance. And on the other hand, you are going through a season of intense captivity. And on the other hand, you are going to, he's like, it's, it's a mismatch. And I need you to pray for the people. Let time come back into alignment and let everything that God has declared for your life at every point in time, let them come into fulfillment. I realized that what was happening is that Satan was messing with the timings of people because he could not mess with their content anymore. Because people were going into fast, people were going into prayer, people were going into supplication, people were petitioning heaven, people were crying out, we've been doing this, Lord, purge me, I want to see as you see, my God, bring me to the fullness of your spirit, bring me into our alignment we are making all of this kind of prayers because we're doing all of that satan recognizes by my goodness these guys are about to hit something i can't touch them right now because i see that they are on fire but what i'm going to do is that i'm going to go and try to alter time the Bible speaks about him, I think in the book of Daniel or Jeremiah, and speaks about how he seeks to change the times and the laws. Because he recognizes that there are certain things he cannot do about the people's lives, the content and what they are receiving as long as they push themselves under God. But if he can change the clock of their lives, even if they come into power, it can never fit into the season that Satan brings them into because the power is for a season. Imagine if Jesus went and he got the Holy Ghost and power and everything. And then the next thing, he is thrown into a season of that should have been the time of like the, 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 the 400 years of seeming dryness before John the Baptist shows up. Imagine if with his power, the season is altered, the minds of the people, the mind of creation is postured into that time. His power will not be able to function 
function the way it should because there should have been a time for his manifestation. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world, but the Lamb of God did not manifest as the Savior of the world until after the advent of John the Baptist. Everything in heaven is locked into times and seasons. And so part of the ways in which God blesses and prospers a man is that God brings your seasons into alignment. He brings your timings under the government of heaven so that the things that he wants to give to you, are he's able to give to you. Now, the Bible speaks about Satan. And he calls, he says, those horns that come to scatter. And he says, the horns are seeking to change the times and the laws. So usually what Satan uses to alter seasons are laws. Hear me. He uses laws to alter the seasons of the earth. and uses laws to alter the seasons of humanity. So while God is saying, God is declaring from heaven that it is the season of the advancement of the church. It is the season of the Releasing of the songs. It is a season of manifestation. It is a season of building. It is a season of prosperity for my people. What does Satan do? He goes to the laws and the law keepers of the earth and he says, Hey, it is a season of COVID. It is a season of restriction. It is a season where people can't do the things they're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that the Lord is saying that this is the season for her to build the multinational companies, but let's frustrate her with travel. Let's frustrate her and say, hey, if you don't have the vaccine, you can't move. Hey, even if you have the vaccine, you have to, you know, go and quarantine for two weeks. Hey, let, let us use the laws to frustrate them so that the seasons of God over their life cannot manifest. You must know what the combination of laws and see and, and timing, what it can do to you. If God has proposed something concerning your life, how did they crucify Christ? It was laws. They used the laws and said, according to the law, he did this, he did this, he did that. But what Satan did not understand was that he was trying to use the law to change the, the, the timing of the season of God because he thought that this was the season where Jesus was going to come and ride upon the horse and come and, you know, become the king and deliver them. He couldn't interpret it accurately. So he thought that was what was going to happen. Like, let's kill him. Let's kill him so that we can change, you know, the purposes of God. But what he didn't understand was that he was misinterpreting it. God wanted him. God needed him to kill Jesus. Now, I say this to you because God began to speak to me and saying that, there's a mismatch of seasons in people's lives. And I need you to pray that there should be alignment so that they can begin to walk in the fullness of it. Because there is a grace for every season. There is a strength for every season. There is a power for every season. That's why when you pray like this, you begin to speak to the, to the angels that stand at the gate of time. You begin to speak to time and you begin to speak to the heavenlies. And you begin to say in the name of the Lord Jesus, I decree and I declare, let the will of God. You are not the one making it happen. You are standing in the word. Understand there is an order in which things are done. You are not commanding the moon and the stars because God gave you our control over things on the earth. So if you're going to operate on that level, you are operating in the name of the Lord for the purpose of God so that you don't invite unnecessary attack upon yourself. So in the name of the Lord, according to the purposes of God, I decree that time favors me. I decree that time favors me. I decree that my seasons are coming into order. I decree that everything that God has called me to do, everything that God has called me to be, there is an alignment in the name of Jesus. I speak to 
the heavens in the name of the Lord Jesus. I decree and I declare that there is order. There is order. There is order. There is order. According to the power of the blood. I hope you are praying for yourself. According to the power of the blood. I decree that my seasons are in place. I speak to time. I speak to time. I speak to time. I speak to the gates of time. I speak to the doors of time. I say, hear ye the word of the Lord. I say, behold the Lord of God. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Because the King of glory seeks to come into my life. The King of glory seeks to manifest in me. The King of glory seeks to manifest in the of himself in my life and in the things that concern my ministry, in my home. In my children, in my business. So my command of the area of my life, the command of the of my life, it's a perfect alignment with the will of heaven. It's a perfect alignment with the seasons of God. I say in every way that they have been in charge of my diseases, don't let me be Therefore, O God, according to your mercies, we call for an alignment of all things in the realm of the spirit. We call for an alignment of all things in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Father, we pray for those children who should be speaking by now. And Satan has sought to manipulate the seasons of their lives. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we call for the release of accurate season in that child. Amen. A release of accurate seasons. Amen. In the day that he should walk, he will walk. Amen. In the day that he should talk, he will talk. Amen. In the day that he should run, he will run. Amen. He begins to grow in all his necessary skills, social skills, emotional skills, 
every single thing that he needs that he should be at every point of his life my god i decree that in the name of jesus that the blessedness of time is meeting with that child right now i see it i see it i see it like open heavens over the life of a child and i see lights just coming over that that baby boy and I hear the Lord speaking about the restoration of that child and the fact that he will speak today. He will speak. The words mm-hmm. that you have been waiting for, you will start hearing it. You will hear mommy, you will hear daddy. Mm-hmm. The child is about to speak. Father, we declare it. For the next one minute, can we just pray into that in the realm of the spirit? Just begin to release tongues. Begin to release tongues. Begin to release prayer. The Lord, that child will speak. Lord, that child will speak. No will and so father in the name of jesus we just declare over the child and we declare over every child every child every child Amen. The parents may be here on this prayer call or you may be standing in for the person in the gap. Every child dealing with autism, every child dealing with delayed system, delayed response, the seasons of life, we pray for them right now and we release themes of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Go forth and bring them into order. Amen. We call the order of the spirit to their lives. We call the order of God into their lives. We correct and we compensate into alignment concerning them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And right now, pull out the device of Satan. 
Oh, 
and the day comes for a world to come. We are the kind of women that know how to bear this Jesus. We are the kind of women that stood down that we should In the place of intercession, we pulled according to the strength of the kingdom. In your room, whether you are ready or not, the season has come. Whether you are ready or not, the season has come. I said to you, do not die in this level. Amen. Do not die in this level. Amen. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I call you into the intelligence of the spirit. Hallelujah. You into the awakening of the spirit. Says, don't go to sleep when the kings are going to work. Yes, in the name of Jesus, you are sleeping. It comes into a light that elevates you. Come, 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 come. It is true that the day, when it is a time of intention, it is true that I cannot descend high. You are growing this morning. I see people being. Amen. 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 to the Lamb upon the throne. We raise I 
and there is a release of a band of angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, Lord. Lord, I thank you for a great returning. I thank you for a great returning. All that was lost because of the defilement of time. God, I thank you for a great returning. Amen. A great returning. Amen. You had said to yourself, how can these things be? But the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And you were birth. Amen. Thank you for a great returning. A great returning. Amen. The Bible says it is a curse when we say that yesterday was better than today. Yes. Our today must be better than our yesterday. Amen. So I say to you in the name of Jesus, Amen. when you think of the good times, you will not think of 15, 20 years ago. Amen. But I say to you in the name of Jesus that there is a restoration of the grace, the gifts, the favor, the glory that was snatched from you by hell. It is restored to you ten times over. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There is so much. There is so much I can say about the things I saw in the realm of the Spirit. So much I saw from the wombs of people that were being restored to women culture. When I say woman, I'm not talking about female. I am talking about the order called woman, the part that is able to birth. I saw women crouching and pushing their babies out of them and fighting for a birthing. I saw restoration coming, strength coming back to people. Some people who had become docile because of consistent abuse, receiving courage and boldness and their eyes opening and the spell, and the spell, please mute your microphone. I saw the spell breaking from them and I saw them receiving strength again to fight and to war, to fight and to war. Amen. Receiving strength again to fight and to war. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I saw the Lord standing as midwives over women, holding their hands while they pushed. And I saw in the realm of the Spirit, as we began to pray, and as we began to pray, and as I started beating the drum, I remember the scripture that says, at the beating of the drum, at the sounding of the scene, but the Lord will advance. And I sensed in the realm of the spirit that the Lord was calling for a host to advance. And I saw angels preparing their sword, their shields, and going out to battle, to fight, to fight, to fight the enemies in your life. And I saw the land vomiting, and I saw graves that had been dug around people. So even though they were living, it was as though they were living in cemeteries because everything that they should have had been, have had been buried. And these people had come into depression and hopelessness and had said to themselves every day, maybe I should just die. Why? Because the stench of death has been around them. But I saw the cemeteries breaking open their graves. And I heard the Lord saying, it is the advent of the new day.
I thought to myself, I said, the time comes for Christ to rise, that the dead will give, the graves will give up their dead. And I heard the Lord saying that the graves are giving up the things that had been buried, that the enemy had killed. And I saw people all of a sudden that were standing on dry lands. These lands became um, fields of gold, fields of diamonds, fields of rubies. What looked dry and patched became places of plenty and wealth. Because the Lord on this day, please mark this day on your calendar and if you will hold on to this prophetic word until the day start will done in your heart then you will see the manifestation of it please mark this day because the grave is giving up the dead every single thing that satan had killed and buried all around you and you have been surrounded with the stench of death you are about to be surrounded with the, with the smell of life and abundance and increase because god has overturned and god has sent his angels to war while we were praying, and as we we're praying for the children and praying for those who their children and their seed had, had gone into some kind of state where they were not following the normal calendar anymore. I saw that the enemy had planted like a bug in some children in the realm of the spirit. And the same way that when they mess with the navigation system of your car, it doesn't matter the destination you put, you will never arrive at the place correctly. It felt like the system of navigation had been corrupted. So the children were not able to navigate accurately anymore. And I saw the Lord debugging their systems and pulling out every bug that had been planted so that he could restore and fill them up. As a matter of fact, I saw a child who the Satan had put a demonic mark on them in the realm of the spirit. And I saw the Lord pulling out that mark and saying, you will not place witchcraft on this one. You will not place anything from hell on this one because I have called him and I've anointed him to be my own. And so I saw the Lord pulling out everything that the enemy has he is disgracing the expectations of darkness. He is disappointing the expectations of hell this morning. He has removed, he has plundered Satan this morning. And I saw God pulling out those bugs and restoring them to perfect function in the name of Jesus in the same way in the lives of people, in your seed, everything that the enemy had bugged and he had said so that even if you birth, it will never navigate accurately. It will never arrive appropriately. I saw the Lord removing those devices, those homing devices by which Satan constantly tracks you and connects with you, irrespective of where you go. I saw God removing it and crushing it under his feet so that you can be free to fly and navigate in the realm of the spirit without being watched or being monitored by the altars of hell and satan in the name of the lord jesus thank you 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 jesus, thank you, jesus. father we bless you father we thank you Amen. you are good um we're going to take the communion now i'm taking liberty because it's wicked i apologize please uh, but let, let's 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 do what we have to do. You understand? Let's let's do it. Uh, one of the things that I remember, two things. My child, while he was in the womb, it kept looking like he wasn't meeting 
the expectations of time. So at some point at 30, 31 weeks or 30 weeks, they said he had stopped growing. So when he came out of the womb at 36 weeks, he looked like 31 weeks. So the enemy kept tormenting me and saying to me that this child that did not grow in the womb, he will not grow when he comes out because his ability to grow has been altered. And Satan kept, you know, tormenting me with that, that he would always be behind time. And mind you, when I was supposed to do the test for, uh, was it, is it autism or what, what, there's a test you do at 15 weeks or 14, between 12 and 14 weeks or something to make sure that the child is going to be fine because of my age. And they have said, oh, it's a high risk pregnancy because of my age, because of my medical history um, in terms of childbirth. So every time they, 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 they tried to take my blood, I think three or four times, the test just wasn't coming out. Something will happen. They'll say, oh, they didn't get the right um, X, Y, Z. I have to go back and do another test. And they'll take the blood. Oh, the blood was corrupted. They'll take, you know, after the third time, I've been four times, I was like, you know what, I'm not doing it again. Maybe God doesn't just want me to test or check anything. So by the time all of this is happening at 30, 31 weeks, I'm thinking, oh my God, maybe there's something wrong with the child. You know how Satan works. Um, he will partner with you to lure you into a demonic conversation, hoping that in the midst of that demonic conversation, that he can establish a life. So I, I, I just, you know, I, I refused. Even though I was very weak in that season, but I just kept trusting God. So the baby comes out really tiny, really, really tiny. I can't explain to you how small my baby was. I'm trying to look for an object to describe it. He was so small and he was so fragile. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, what, what will happen? In fact, sometimes when I was feeding him at night and I slept off, I remember one day I woke up, I was looking for my baby on the bed. I was like, Jesus, because when I find, I can't find him anymore. You know, I thought, have I suffocated him under the duvet? How, because he fell off my hand, you know, but he was still on the bed. He was so small. I had to look, look, look. And I just saw him lying down peacefully near my leg. I was like, Jesus, as I grabbed him, I was so scared. I said, God, what kind of problem is this? Why now, Lord, why is small like this? You know, but the Lord kept saying to me, speak to that child. It says, the Bible says, concerning Jesus, and the child grew, and he worked strong in spirit. He grew in favor with man and with God. Keep saying to him, you will follow the order of your master, Jesus. You will follow in the footsteps of your master, Jesus. The one who made you and created you, he grew when he was on earth. You, you must grow. You will meet all your milestones. You will meet everyone in the name of Jesus. As long as Jesus was not... Uh, you know, in reverse in time, you, your life would not be in reverse in time. You know, it's not you, my child, that they will use to do new medical discoveries. You are not the one that will be tested to find out that there's a new disease. I say you grow. I say you grow. I say you go every day. I will look at him. I say you grow in the name of Jesus. I will speak to him into his ears. As long as Jesus grew, you will go and you will work strong in spirit. So when I look at my child today, in fact, I used to count his toes and his fingers. Just that was how much I was like, hey, this, this child, is it complete? When I look at my child today, growing, speaking, engaging, doing all of those things, I know that he was, God said to me, he said, God said to me, he was created by the word. He will be kept by the word. It is the word that sustains my child. The word that holds the world in place. That is the same word that holds my child in place. That is why I cannot stop speaking. Don't stop speaking. If the world can hold earth in place, and we have never woken up one day and everybody is tilted like this, because the word of God cannot fail. As long as the word is still functioning, 
you will function. So keep praying. I wanted to share that testimony with somebody. And the last thing I want to say is, when I was telling my friend, I said, I don't know what's going on. There's something happening with time, you know. And I said, ah, and you don't know me. I was like, Lord is speaking to me about time. You know, we shared the deep revelatory part. After that, she said to me, uh, also, please go and fix your wristwatch. Go and buy <laughs> batteries for all your watches. <laughs> But apart from the fact that the Lord is speaking about time, all you prophets, oh, the Lord is, go and buy battery, fix your watch. That's why your watch is not working. You know, so we laughed about that. But, you know, while we're praying, her words came back to my spirit. And it, 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 I feel like the Lord is also saying to some people, go and fix your watches. Go and fix your watches. Fix your watch in the realm of the spirit. Some people now will have to wake up and fix your 12 a.m. watch your midnight watch, your early morning watch, the night hour watch, go and study about the watches in the realm of the spirit. The gates of time that open to humanity in the spirit realm. Go and man your gates and man the watches of the day. But also go back and start reading on time. Read on seasons. Go back and get a reinstallation of re re reinstall life into the clock of the spirit your clock of the spirit so it's not going to change just today you have to go back and set it so somebody needs to do the work of restoring battery life to their clocks are we together yes we are fantastic so go and restore battery life to your clock in the realm of the spirit so that it will be giving you accurate timing and you will not be navigating wrongly so god has delivered you giving you a new day you go and do the work to restore your clock now pick your communion items and let's break bread excuse me remember it is don't don't take a whole loaf of bread to do communion, I beg you in the name of Jesus, if whoever will not forgive you after this kind of prayer. We are starting the Daniel fast today. I, I thought I was going to be able to teach about Daniel, but alas, trust the Lord and me. Uh, we could not arrive at it. So, uh, but I want you to, to take your communion, your communion bread and, you know, take your wine. We're going to pray about it and we're going to trust the Lord that there will be a release of of life over us. So the Bible declares in, in the book of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. I want you to know why we are breaking bread today because it is the mark of a new day. It is a mark of a new season. It is a transition into something deeper. And Jesus took communion at the point of his transition. We have been fasting and breaking at 6 p.m. all this while. But yesterday we decided that from today we we're going to fast and stop and we will not break will be eating fruits and vegetables only please on that guide i saw that they put beans legumes i told pastor stephanie please remove that thing because some people are going to go and boil beans today and drink it and call gary a seed and drink eat beans and gary i beg you by the blood of jesus please do not do that to yourself i is he say that there's no beans there's no legumes inside this daniel fast that we are doing the most you can do is eat nuts you know, like almond, those things give energy, um, but not beans and coal. Um, we're going to be eating fruits and vegetables. There's nothing like breaking, so you can drink your smoothie at one o'clock, 12 o'clock, nine o'clock. Drink a lot of water, you know, drink the juices, drink apple juice. It gives strength, and you're going to do that for seven days. Um, if you have a medical condition and you have to break, please go ahead. 
um, and, and break. For some people, they will fast through the day and break at six with fruits and vegetables, just with salad and stuff like that. That's okay. And when I say salad, I don't mean chicken salad or fish salad, please, please. Salad without any of those things, because one of the major things is no meat. And I will explain to you tomorrow about the Daniel fast and why it was a fast and all the spiritual connotations of every single thing that he did and the symbolisms of it. Um, but let us let us keep to the plan and you know keep to the system. And if at any point in time you need encouragement, you can put a word on the group that you belong to. There are a lot of spiritual people on those groups, believe me. There are people who can give you counsel, insight, they can encourage you and strengthen you. So just put a word up if you need help. So we are breaking this bread um, as a symbolism that we know that we are coming into a transition. We know that we are coming into another level in our fasts. You know, we just want to journey with the Lord. One of the visions I had with Jesus, he invited me to come feast with him. And as I got to his table, all I saw was bread and wine and some fruits. And the Lord said to me, he raised the bread and the wine. And he said to me, you see, the confluence of food and prayer is the place of covenant where intimate relationships are birthed. And I understood that what the Lord was saying to me was that food was not just like human food. He was talking about the food of the word, the food of his body, because he is the word of God. He wanted me to take in the word in volumes. He wanted me to eat the body of the word. He says, when you combine that with prayer, he says, you begin to raise altars of covenant in the realm of the spirit. And the thing that protects you, and the thing that elevates you, and the thing that then gives you honor in the spirit is your intimacy with God. The confluence of food and prayer is the place of covenant where intimate relationships are birthed. God began to say concerning Moses, he said, hey, this guy, this guy is one of the meekest. He's my friend. As a man will speak to his friend, that is how I speak to Moses. My God, you said concerning Abraham, that Abraham was your friend. You shared secrets with this man. You had communion with them, oh God. You broke the bread of the revelation of who you are with them. My God, you taught them how to raise altars. You taught them how to make sacrifices. You taught them how to engage with you. You taught them the orders of the spirit. Father, today as we take this bread and as we drink this wine, we are asking, oh God, that you will open unto us the opportunity for such relationships with you, Jesus. We ask, oh God, that you open unto us the doors of access, the doors of intimacy, the doors of oneness that we have by reason of the Holy Ghost inside of us. Father, as we take this bread and as we drink this wine, my God, we declare Lobo that even the same way that you sat at the table with the men on the road to Emmaus, oh God, and as you broke bread with them, their eyes were opened, Baba. We are asking that in the name of Jesus, that as we eat this bread and as we drink this wine, let it be for a sign and let it be for an access into the realm of sight, into the realm of vision. My God, let our eyes be opened. Father, you said at the table of communion that the one who dips his bread after me is the one that will betray me. For the table of communion is a place of exposure. The table of communion is a place of revelation. The Judas that hides in the midst of the people for three and a half years is revealed at the table of communion by 
God, as we eat this communion, my God, begin to reveal to us the things in our lives, the things in our families, the things in our businesses, the things, oh God, even in our spiritual lineages that are behind in the Judas, the things that want to betray us and kill us. My God, show it to us. Let this communion be a mark of revelation. Let this communion be a mark of revealing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, you were about to be crucified and you took bread and you broke it with your brothers. It became what bound you together with them. And even though they ran and they left you when the temptation was hot, yet they still had an inheritance in you because you said, except you eat this with me, you have no part in me. My God, every time we break bread with you, it is connecting us deeper and further in you. It is giving us an inheritance in you. We are having parts in you. My God, we descend the body this morning. We understand what it is that we are doing. We know that what is in our hand may be bread and wine. But God, in the realm of the spirit, we are raising a spiritual sacrifice. Yes. We are raising an altar in the realm of the spirit. Amen. My God, we declare that let this speak for intimacy. Let this Amen. speak for oneness. Let this speak for unity with you. In Amen. the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Lande Bukusai. Hey, Papa Pale Dikala. We declare that this bread and this wine, it appropriates unto us everything that Jesus represents. Everything that his body was broken for, let the bread give it to us. Everything that his blood speaks about. As we drink this wine, let it speak for us. Amen. Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And because humanity is the access point to the earth from the heavens. When we drink this and we eat this and we are putting it in our body, we are declaring that our bodies are the temples of the God of the wine and the bread. We declare that our body will not be used for anything else but Jesus. We declare that as we eat this, there is a claim of your ownership over us. For he that you break bread with and he that you eat of his body is your lord and he that you drink of his blood is your master we have no covenant with any other god amen let as we take this bread and drink this wine let every other covenant break now in the name of jesus and let the covenant of jesus be the only thing that speaks over us amen god we bless you amen we thank you and so we take the bread so clear interfasudai. We bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that in that day that he was betrayed, he re- that he was received, he also took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And so bread, we call you blessed. Amen. And so bread, we say that you are translating right now in our hands from Amen. being a normal physical item into becoming an item in the realm of the spirit. We say, bread, you are a representation and a symbolism of the life of Jesus. We call you blessed. We declare that you are in submission to God and you become a container of the grace and the glory of God. Father, we thank you, the giver of all things. Thank you for giving us bread to eat. You give bread to him that eats and see to he that sows. It is you that has given unto us bread for the day of eating. We ask that as we take off this, oh God, let every single thing that you had in mind the day you initiated the communion, let it be done unto us according to your word, according to your bread, according to your body, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may eat the bread. Shambara keso kure bahaya latiza. Ilana ke tele kete. 
Wherever you are, you can just sing a song of worship unto God. Oh, I give you glory, God. I bless you, Jesus. The Bible declares that in the same way he raised the cup and he blessed it and he thanked God for it. Lord, we raise this cup and we thank you. We bless you. We thank you, Jesus, because this cup is reminding us that there is going to be a day when we will stop with you. There's going to be a day when we will drink with you. It is a reminder, oh God, unto us and an assurance that someday we will lift our glasses in heaven, celebrating our marriage and unity with you. So Jesus, you said that this cup is the New Testament in your blood. The blood of the New Testament of a new and everlasting covenant. So as we drink of this, we declare that the testimony of Jesus is streaming out of our lives and flowing out of our lives. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus God. Name. Amen. Amen. You may drink. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God. Glory be to God. In the highest, amen. Glory be to God in the highest, amen. For his mercies endure forever, amen. For his mercies endure forever. Amen. Oh, my children, we receive the mercy of this altar. My generation, we receive the mercy of this altar. Amen. Because his mercies endure forever. Amen. For his mercies endure forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you guys. It has been an honor, a joy, and a privilege breaking bread with you, having communion with you, reenacting the order of our faith that declares that we are brothers of one faith and one life in Christ. I know that the Lord has heard us. I know that the Lord has supped with us. I know that the Lord has dined with us. Um, as you go into this day, go into consciousness of God and the grace of God and the power of God and all that God has done upon this altar. It is an altar of fire, it is an altar of mercy, it is an altar of grace, it is an altar of truth and power. Go in the consciousness of what you have raised this day. Remember, we have crossed into a new threshold. And I want you to carry it with the sincerity, the purity, and the seriousness of what we have entered into. Begin to declare, begin to command, begin to receive the release of the Spirit over you. I know that God has raised you up in your ranking in the spirit Amen. and you will not fall from it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow again. We will meet tomorrow. Have a great day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank I love you. you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.